What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm so excited to introduce you to Cameron Gamble, today's guest. Really looking forward to you hearing this conversation. Cameron has lived an incredibly adventurous life. In this conversation, we dig into how Cam chased success for years and felt as though he missed important moments. He shares his mental shift and how he lives in the day now with his family and not so focused on the future. Enjoy meeting my friend, Cam. What is up, my friends? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm already smiling ear to ear. Super pumped to talk fatherhood with my new friend, Cam Gamble. Cam, how are you today? I'm so good, man. I am so blessed to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I just, I love talking fatherhood and I know how much you love being a dad. And so this is going to be a great conversation. So right off the, the, the bat here is you said, hey, there might be some noises in the background. So tell me where you're sitting right now. Uh, I'm sitting on my farm. So we live out in South Carolina, uh, real close to Greenville, South Carolina and upstate. Um, so yeah, you may hear some horses and some cows and some roosters. It's about that time of evening where they start like squandering over, you know, who's got the most territory on our farm. Um, it's about feeding time too. So yeah, that's, that's where we are today. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to ask a few questions just to get to know you real quick. Like, who are we talking to right now? How old do you find yourself today? Um, my age is 42, but parts of me feel a lot younger and parts of me feel a lot older, you know? Um, How so? Well, the parts of me that feel younger, believe it or not, I think because my wife and I are on this really incredible journey of, of self-sustainment on a farm and, and the foods we put in our bodies, I feel better than I ever have. Mm. So I feel younger than I did when I was 35, even, even in my 20s. Um, and exercise is a huge part of our life, but older in the sense that there's so many phenomenal mentors out there that I've had in my life and, and people like you that are that are going after topics like fatherhood to where it's just been download after download over the last few years of gaining wisdom. Um, and wisdom makes you feel older. I mean, mm. you just, you know, it's so so that's why I say parts of me are young and parts of me are old. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that answer. Cause it's it's real, right? It's more in tune with what's going on inside you than just um the date you were born. How right. many years have you been married? My wife and I, are, are, we were celebrating 20 years in October. Yeah, baby. Congratulations. Yeah. That's what's Thank up. You, man. So good. So good. And uh, how many kiddos do you guys have? We have five. Five kids. What an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I just two idiots on this call then. <laughs> how old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is 19 and my youngest is nine. Um, four boys, one girl. Love it. Yep. So we're just flip flop. We're nine to 16. 
we got twins in there. So that's why we got the little bit of crammed in there. And then we have four girls and a boy. Yeah. So, so. if there ever is like a, you know, uh, a nuclear meltdown, we can have a commune and we're guaranteed to have like sustaining life and generations ahead of us because our kids would mesh well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that we should just start to get back to like arranged marriages uh, and just figure <laughs> that out because it just seems like way easier than whatever Netflix is teaching my kids. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So married 20 years, five kiddos live on a farm. What is it that you do for a living? I hate the question. The reason I ask it is not so we can size each other up in a bar, but so that as dudes listen to this, they start to realize, whoa, fatherhood is a level playing field. It doesn't matter if you're a million, a billion, 60 grand a year, what you do doesn't matter. When your kid turns 16, your kid turns 16. When you witness your spouse give birth to that first kid, it's like, barbaric and beautiful. So it's a level playing field. So, um, what is it that you do for the family? Yeah. Um, man, what you're asking is I'm, it's so spot on because, um, it is like a size up thing. Uh, that's commonly the first thing that people ask each other is what yeah. you do. And I, I have friends that are multimillionaires that are completely incompetent in raising their kids. And I have friends mm. that are dirt poor and are phenomenal fathers and mothers, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Um, it is a level playing field, but, um, so current, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur since 2009. So I currently am in the commercial development world out of the Atlanta area. So all things related to throwing in, um, you know, a a few hundred condos to a Starbucks or whatever it is, my company, um, uh, two of my companies that I own go in ahead of time and kind of, uh, clear the path for the developers to come in. Um, I also still get to contract with with parts of the military and the Department of Energy doing training that I used to do in my former career and lifestyle. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I do. Got it. But not who I am for sure. Ah, why you make the distinction? Where's the diff? What do, why say that? Well, I think identity is one of the strongest things in the universe, right? <laughs> like, so people are so wrapped up in who am I and what's my purpose, and so often it's it's cataloged in with, well, what it is that you do for a living must be who you are. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. Like I follow formula one. It's the only sport I follow. And it's, it's amazing to see these drivers that are only known for driving yet in their, in their real life, they're philanthropists and, and mm. they're, you know, they're activists and, and they're doing all these amazing things that nobody knows them by, but that's who, who they truly are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always try to make that distinction. Like, yes, this is what I do, but it's not who I am. So then who are you? Um, I am, I, that is a great question as well. So who am I? Um, I'm a child of God. Like that's, that's first and foremost in my life. And, um, I am a adaptive human. It doesn't matter what situation you put me in. I've worked in Africa. I've worked in, in, uh, Mexico. I've worked all around the world. Um, I'm adaptive. Um, you know, I'm full of grit, tenacity, and perseverance. So it doesn't matter what the task at hand is. I've learned from my father and my uncle and so many wonderful people in my life, like to never give up and never quit. And, um, I'm a man who loves challenges. Um, I'm a man who, who loves family and adores my wife and my kids. And, uh, so if you were to say, who am I, that's, that's the biggest part of me. And and I think that would be my, my identifying marks in my life. Mm, bro, I love it. And uh, tough, right? Because it's like, as soon as I saw the question kind of hit your ears and your face goes, ah, right? Because a lot of times it's easy for us to regurgitate. Not, I'm not saying you were doing this, but it's easier for us to go like, ah, I'm not my job and I'm not this label of X, Y, or Z 
or, you know, even if you bring in Christianity, right? If I said, well, I'm a Christian. And, and so when it hits your face, it's like, okay, this is the moment where I really show who I am. And, and I would, you know, agree with you like child of God. And, and man, I, I don't really know where I'd be without that piece of my identity, right? Because, and that's, and it shows huge. If, if we're to bring it to the, the micro level of you and my family, our kids, that's our job is like, I'm a part of this family, right? So to know that I belong, to know that I am loved, um, to know that I was created out of love, created with purpose. Um, I think that for you and I to be able to say, I'm a child of God, there's that same peace coming. And we see how destructive the world is when, when you see like the prison rate, who's in prison and how many of those didn't have dads, right. right? Because there was an identity confirmed in them of who they were. And uh, you and me as dads, it's like our job is to show our kids that. And this, I mean, this isn't a Christian, if you want to put a label on a podcast, it is just me being myself with other great dudes. But anyways, great answer. Loved it. So thank you for sharing it. For sure, man. Um, okay. When did you embrace fatherhood? So at what, at what point did you go, whoa, fatherhood really matters. This is an adventure and I'm all in. Wow, man, your questions are so good. Um, that's, this may sound weird as an answer, but I, I, I embraced fatherhood long before I was ever a father. Mm. Um, I embraced it by idolizing my, my dad and my uncle as fathers, because both my uncle and my dad, you know, they, they took part in raising me. Um, and I just remember wanting to be them. Like that Mm. was it, whatever I do in my life, that's what I'm going to be. And of course they had their shortcomings and flaws and, and, um, archaic way of thinking at times, but, but nonetheless, like they were John Wayne's in my life and Mm. they were such role models to look up to. Um, so I knew it's, I knew eventually, like I knew I was going to have kids. I knew I was going to be a father. Um, and I wanted to because of those men in my life. And so I embraced fatherhood. It's wild to think like I was 22 years old when I became a father. That's just insane to me. (laughs) Um, And I knew absolutely nothing about being on that side of it. Right. And I made so many mistakes and I was so uptight. And, and, uh, I mean, I could share so many stories with you about like the protection bubble you try to put around your firstborn. Yeah. Uh, you lose sleep over it. And then when the second and third and fourth and fifth come, you know, like, you're like, I don't care. They'll figure it out if they fall, you know, if they they'll wander off okay. the road, I'm sure they'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. But, um, so I embraced it long before I was a father, but really, uh, grew into it as a young man. And um, I just took full ownership in it and full part in it, like from the get go. I just loved being mm. a daddy. I loved it. Mm. Ah, good, man. What have you learned about yourself and being a dad? So it's like, you know, interesting. I got married at 21 and I th- on our one year anniversary, I turned 22. So I found out Sarah was pregnant. So I guess I was almost 23 when we had our first. And so I didn't have my twenties alone. Neither did you. Right. So you're kind of thrown in from high school, maybe a little bit of college and military for you. Um, and you learn a little bit about yourself and then you're married and you're like, Oh God, like now I'm really have to deal with conflict and learn about what a D bag I could be. But then you have kids real quick. And there's this, like this little human is half of you. And I'm sure with having a 19 year old and five kids, there's lots of stages for you. But if you think about the past 19 years, what are some things that you've learned about yourself as kind of like a direct reflection of your children? 
you know, and they are like that spot on. Uh, you, your children are a mirror of you. Even even my wife is a mirror of me. Um, I, as the leader, right? We're, we we carry the energy into the home. Um, if our energy is down or in the wrong direction, everybody feels it. And everybody suffers from it. But if it's up and it's good, then everybody feels that as well. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Like the responsibility and the torch I carry to be a father. I had a tough time transitioning from daddy that wants to go play and go seek to father. That was a really tough period for me to where I didn't feel like I had it figured out. And, um, and I started to worry a lot because all of a sudden your, your once cute little boy or girl turns into a teenager hormones are raging and things are coming out of their mouth. Like what, what, what did you just say to me? (laughs) And I wasn't sure how to deal with it. Right. And, um, so there were a lot of shortcomings in my life. And I think for me, that scared me. And I, I went from being a really good dad to not knowing what to do as a father and, and then transitioning into this, well, I need to be super successful in order to feed a family of seven. Mm-hmm. And um, my kids will thank me when they get older that I'm working this hard. And I transitioned into full-time like entrepreneur, gone 273 days out of, out of one year, um, you know, in another country, 8,000 miles away, yeah. all for the name of sacrifice yeah. for a better life. And I, there was this void, like I was just gone and absent. And, and, um, it's thank God, like even in those mistakes you make as a dad or as a father, um, they're not irreversible. You know, you can always mm-hmm. get that. You can never get time back, but you can always get back their hearts. And so, um, I know this is a long winded answer to your question, but I learned so much about going from dad to father. And I feel like, I mean, every day, I mean, you could, you could fill the Vatican with, you know, with a compilation of my failures as a dad. Um, but there's a lot of successes and lessons learned in there too. And for me, I love now being a father. I, yeah. I not that I have it all figured out, but I love the transition where I finally, I'm like, okay, I get it. I know what it's about now. It's about shepherding their hearts. It's about raising kids with morals and values that right now, for whatever reason, our world is saying is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's all these messages of, of confusion coming our way to say, look, this is who we are. These, these morals, these values, these are the bedrock of our family. And, and now like that's everything in me wants to just make sure my children understand the gift I'm giving them is a mindset. It's a hard for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a big house and it's not multiple cars and it's not college tuition. It's a mindset. That's the most valuable thing that I've learned. I think as being a dad and a father hmm. is that mindset that you're passing on to your kids. That's right. Uh, beautiful. Well, I'm sure that'll come up a bit more when you think about the role of the father, which kind of transitions from what you've learned, learned about yourself. Um, and you just shared a bit of it, but what is the role of the father? If you were just to put it in a couple of sentences, if you were to pass a nugget onto it, a new dad, what would you tell him the role is? It's really simple. We overthink the role of the father so much. It gets, um, it gets so convoluted. Like it's really simple. You're there to lead. You're there to protect. You're there to shepherd. Um, and you're there to be present. That's, that's the one thing that's missing so much in, in father, son, father, daughter relationships is presence. So we hear those words a lot. We hear the word, you know, and, and uh, agree. I love this, but now I don't hear shepherd very often. So tell me what shepherd means to you. So, so when you say it's a, it's my role as a dad to shepherd my kid, what does that mean? 
the the best i guess word picture i can give you is you know back in the old days when these shepherds were out tending to their flocks and and they would bring them in at night um to to these stone pins often these stone round pins didn't have any type of gate so the shepherd would put all of his sheep inside the gate and then he would lay down at the threshold of the gate and defend like to the death to protect what what belonged to him and mm-hmm. so i take the role of shepherd extremely serious to to the point that it's it's showing my boys you lay that you lay down your life for what you love that's shepherding beautiful bro love it oh my gosh it's like we rehearsed this beforehand <laughs> um i heard you bring up your dad and your uncle and so i'm assuming they've been the role models for you what about them um and any other resources have been been helpful to you as as a father yeah um you know we were raised in the 80s and 90s as kids right and um i spent my summers up on my uncle's ranch being a cowboy and 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 watching this just this beast of a man literally like john wayne and i watched horses flip over backwards on him and break you know break his wrists and i watched him get gouged but with fence and he just like stood up and shook it off um but more importantly i watched his he and my father both had this this beautiful way of, of being patient in teaching um, and, and valuing what we had. And, and so even to this day, it's like, I, I'll talk to my uncle and I'll say, I wish I had your patience. And he goes, Oh, you, you do. You just don't see it. But there was this beautiful thing that they did to where um, they took the time to teach me. Mm-hmm. They took the time to show me and my brother, like the right, the right thing to do. And, and most importantly, like they stood for what was right and true and honest. And, and, and that's such a rare thing in this world nowadays. Um, they rarely had compromise in their life. And so that was, that, that's the, like the first and greatest example I have. Um, nowadays, you know, when I was a young dad, um, when I was in the military, one of my dear friends, uh, he and his wife had a child almost like coinciding within a, a week of our son being born. And he was a much older father than I was. He'd already had a daughter and, and he was a lieutenant colonel. I flew with him um, as an enlisted guy. And, and he just seemed to have a lot more of his life together than I did, you know, 40 something versus 20 something. And he poured a tremendous amount into me and my wife, he and his wife both. And so we've always done that, whether it be in a church setting or with friends, we've latched on to, to uh, people who are much wiser and older than us yeah. to show us, you know, what's your way of doing it? Why is your way of doing it better than our way? And um, yeah, so that's, that's been huge for us. I love that to have those mentors, those people that you let speak into your life. So to deviate for a minute, is there one story that you have from being a kid on that farm with your uncle? Is there a story you could think of that would just be fun to share? Oh my gosh, man. You know, I think, I think when, um, I have so many stories, but I will tell you to this day, my uncle calls me the most gullible boy on planet earth. <laughs> and, and for a long time, it bothered me that I was so gullible. But then as I got older, I realized I was gullible because of how much I idolized and looked up to him and my dad. They could yeah. tell me any story, um, any story. It didn't matter. Like we went swimming at, a, at up on the mountain one time when we were gathering cows and, and, um, I had a pair of like, you know, it was, it was the eighties dude. So I had like, you know, hot pink shorts on. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and after we were done swimming, I threw them on a tree and I forgot about them. Um, and it was a couple of weeks later, my uncle told me that he was on that side of the mountain. He's like, man, I saw a bear wearing those shorts. 
And, uh, and for years I believed him, like there was an actual bear that took my shorts and, and, but I think, I think the, the beauty of it is this, um, that's how much our kids can look up to us. Yeah. If, yeah. We're, if we're showing them and teaching them the right things, um, anything that, it, and it also shows like whatever comes out of your mouth to them can be the gospel. Like it can be golden. Um, but it, it can also destroy, destroy them at the same time. You know, if you're not careful with what you say. Our words, if we were really to think every day how our words create life or death, I mean, just to put it as blunt as possible, that's what we do. We we cause life or destruction or chaos. Right. That's um, right. There is no middle. There's no middle. Uh, it, it, those are the those are what you're creating. Now it might not feel as extreme, but if you dominoes, you know, domino effect that over a five year period, it's even if it doesn't feel extreme, it's doing one of the two. That's right. Um, all right. So this podcast is fatherhood field notes. You're already doing it. Just open up your field notes of life, sharing your wisdom, sharing your stories. The mantra behind this is rebel and create. And the idea with this is what's something that you're rebelling against as a man. And then not just to be destructive, but what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Such a great question. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Um, I'm a maverick by nature. It's easy for me to, to slip into the rebel mode. And, uh, I don't know where it comes from, but well, I think, no, actually I do know where it comes from. Um, what being raised in the way that I was, it was pretty easy to, to delineate between what is good and what is not. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so nowadays it's really easy to see the exploitation being played out before our eyes in terms of what our country and what this world is pushing towards our kids, um, whether it be a, you know, a drag queen, a drag show at an elementary school, or it's so easy to sit back and go, that's not right. Um, and to be confident enough to, to have a voice against it. And there's such a confusing message coming out to children nowadays. Um, so for me, I'm rebelling against the, the norms, the, the, the soon to be norms of our country and, and the message being put out there, like our society is, is saying, Hey, look, if it feels good, do it. Anything goes. Um, good is bad. Bad is good. Left is right. Up is down. Like it, yeah. it's it's confusing, and so I I rebel hard against that. Uh, we don't we don't have cable television. We don't watch TV. And I'm not one of those you know super religious guys to where well we can't you know it's the devil in our house. No, I mean of course we have a television. Of course we will watch family movies together. But uh, getting back to the shepherding part, it's still my responsibility to make sure what's coming into my children's eyes and it, it will, will land in their hearts yeah. if I'm not careful. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm rebelling and I, look, and it's not like this outward. I have uh, a massive following on Instagram and every day I'm spewing this message of anti whatever's being pushed. I'm rebelling in my own way. I'm rebelling by, um, by pouring into my children by showing them what is good and what is right. I don't have yes. to be vocal out in the world about it. I, I have a responsibility here. So that's where that's where I rebel. And you're overseeing five future families. Right. Right? And then and then that could be that could be 15 to 20 future families. Right? So if you start looking at this playing out over the next 100 years and you start to go, "Hang on a second. My role, my rebellion isn't about my lifetime. It's about like two or three generations down the road." And that's where I I mean, I'll tell you, like I struggle with I wrestle with the, I love doing the podcast. Like even when we got on, I'm smiling. I'm like, "Oh, I love this." 
but I wrestle and fight with myself to not get too wrapped up into it to where it's like, you know, like I haven't posted on Instagram. I did it every day for the Kickstarter. And then I haven't done it since like 4th of July. And I feel like a turd, but then I'm like, I'm really focused on my family right now. You know, I'm committed to the podcast one because I just love it, but I wrestle with uh, just doing it for building something and then doing it because I'm overseeing five future families. Like that's a big job. That's a big responsibility. And I want to set my great, great grandkids up for some pretty good success. And that comes in from me, you know, going to bed, going in the house at four o'clock and being present with the family and not like, I got to work on this till 10 o'clock tonight because it matters so much. So I can get 10 more followers or whatever, which I also want to do in a sense, but not steal from the family. So if, you know, you saying that it's like, oh yes, we're with you. We're online. I love it. Beautiful. If a dad's hearing this, I mean, you clearly have spent a lot of years coming to this point, coming to, you said one year you were gone for 270 days, right? So there's this, there's this work you've been doing to get here. Help me to help a dad go, okay, if he's listening to this thing, I'd really love that. But like, dude, my, I don't know that I can get my wife on board. I don't know that I could get my kids on board with, with me being more intentional and more engaged. Like, what would you tell them? Like, what was that fight for you? Let's just pick that year you were gone for, you know, three quarters of the year. What was that fight for you to come and like earn the right to speak into life on the daily? Yeah. Wow. Um, phenomenal question. So I got to this point. I mean, look, when you miss every single birthday of every single one of your kids in one year, when you miss Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving, when you miss your anniversary, um, it causes you to pause. And if you mm-hmm. don't pause, you know, uh, I heard somebody say like the number you are, the louder the wake up call has to be to get you to come back to life. Mm-hmm. And, and there was this numbness of being gone to where like, you know, time, time and distance make the heart grow fonder, but, but too much time and distance can make it go numb. Um, and I got to this point where I was extremely numb and it just was, I mean, I would, I was in Africa, so I would fly home. It took me 28 hours one way. I'd fly home. I'd be home for four or five days, eat, sleep, you know, re-gear up and head back over. And it was just, I'm like, what, what am I doing? And finally, what woke me up to it was, <laughs> was my youngest was going into kindergarten and I was on his first day of school, I was going to be in Africa. And, and I had been there for every one of my kids up to that point. And it was just like this idea of like, my God, I'm never going to get this moment back. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't immediate. My mindset was, but, but obviously it took time to transition out of that. But I decided, you know what? I will be there for his first day of school. As, as extreme as this may sound, I hopped on a plane. I flew 28 hours to walk him into class. I got in like at midnight, walked him into class. And then my wife drove me to the airport and I flew back over to Africa. Gnarly. So it was, you know, and it, but, but, Sometimes you have to be extreme in order to shift, you know, shake things up in your life. So to your question, what can guys do? Um, like that's an extreme thing, but it starts with you. Like you, you, you know, men are required to be masculine women, women, um, you want them to be feminine. You don't want your wife to have to step up in her masculine role in your absence. And I don't just mean physically, I mean, your absence out of the home when you're yeah. home and you're disengaged from what's going on. Um, even my daughter, having one daughter, you know, this having four, I remember this statistic a few years ago and it it was uh, young girls who, um, have, who are not shown affection by their father are more likely to have sex at a much younger age. 
And so that, that too shook me. And it's like, man, I'm going to make sure that my daughter is getting as much affection as I can possibly give her hugs and, and, and just holding her hand and making sure she knows like, I love you. And, but that required me to be present. Yeah. Um, and so even now, like even my son, my oldest 19, he still lives with us. I don't let my kids, uh, you know, go to bed with their phones. He has to set us, even when you're having dinner, just eat dinner. When you're going to the bathroom, just go to the bathroom. Um, don't be disengaged from what activity you're doing by this little distraction right here. Be present with whatever you're doing. And and that'll transition over to uh, a multitude of things in your family as the leader and as the husband. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. Um, I love what you're rebelling against. I love what you're working to create. So... You know, we have some more time and we could go down a couple of paths. Um, one, I'm kind of thinking like, what's a little bit of the day in the life for you guys right now? And then maybe, you know, dig into, you know, I mean, you've talked about the chasing, the chasing the success outside. I mean, let's just go down that path and then we'll ask the second one. So you fly home, you come to your kids kindergarten what was the final trigger? What was the final transition for you to say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this so that I can be home more. You know, sometimes it's sometimes, um, you know, people would call it the universe or people would call it fate. I would call it God's hand in my life. Uh, you get to these points to where you are, you, you are woken up. And then when you're finally, when, when your attention is back on where it should be, things are orchestrated to just not work out anymore. And in my situation in Africa uh, was, was should have been long lasting. I was ready to move my family over there. Mm. And once I made that decision where I'm putting my family first, it's like God just stopped it all. Just, just the opportunity was there to, to just be done. Interesting. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Like, you know, I'm really thankful. And I recognize that's where it came from. Uh, so that abruptly brought me home. And then I was, you know, th and then you have to like reintegrate yourself back into your family. <laughs> yeah. So that's <laughs> you, the you question. Know, your wife's looking at you like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, so, okay. So that reminds me back to the question really is how do you integrate? So say right now a dude's listening. He's like, I'm waking myself up. I'm going to show up as a dad. What does that integration look like? Yours is more obvious that you are not there taking out the trash. You're not there disciplining your kid. You're not there taking them to school or homeschool or whatever it is. So there's this obvious, like, uh, I'm sure the first little bit was rough. Same would go for a dude who's going to decide I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to set the next hundred days to show up different for my family. Talk about that struggle and that wrestle, because I would love for dudes to stop being numb in their home and to start taking action to show up as that dude without expecting their family's going to be like, all excited about it. They're not at first. It's going to be hard. So talk to me about that. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Um, first and foremost, a man has to come to a place to where he just has enough, like enough playing it small, enough being numb, enough not being present with my wife and, and putting her first in, in this relationship. And that's one thing we do well is, is my children know there's like a hierarchy of love in my family and that's God, my wife, and then, and then them. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a transition, but, but it really starts with the man saying, like looking in the mirror and looking at his soul, like looking into his own left eye and just staring for a bit and saying, who are you? Like, um, I, I heard it so beautifully a while back and it says, you know, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it's one of the greatest commandments there is. 
and so many people don't love themselves. So how can they give mm-hmm. love that, you know, beyond what they're not even happy with themselves. So first and foremost, find out how much love you have for yourself. And if that tanks empty, you're not going to be able to give it to other people. So then how do you love yourself? And, and you love yourself by forgiving yourself, right? Yeah. For, for, for not being present in your family. First, like, just, just get with that. Just forgive yourself. And you know what? Like, we're the only species on planet Earth that can stop what we're doing and completely change course of direction. Like geese have to fly south in the wintertime. We don't. We can go and do whatever we want as of right now, as of right now. And even uh, even um, like e- so being good, in dude. Africa and, and looking lo- <laughs> looking towards future success, like I think what hit me also was there's no promise of the future. There's only the right now. This is all we have. We don't even have the past because it's 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 gone. It's a memory. So you have to get honest with yourself and say, I love you. I forgive you. Now, now you can start to outpour to other people, starting with your family. And, and, and dude, it can be so abrupt as you just sit your family down and say, please forgive me. Like, I'm sorry. I've let you down as the masculine leader of this family. Um, things are going to change. It's going to be rough. I tell my wife all the time. I'm like, look, I've been married to you for almost 20 years. I'm a flawed man. I'm going to continue to make mistakes, but I am your flawed man. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm here to stay. It's going to be rough. We're going to have great days. We're going to have bad days, but I'm committed to the long haul. And that does so many things for my, for my wife to just feel safe and secure. Like, yeah, okay. We're going to have some pretty crappy days. We're going to want to throw frying pans at each other, but that's my man. Hmm. And, and you have to keep that way with your family. Like, uh, get in their face. You, you have to be here with your, with your wife and your kids and, because if they feel like you're, you're wishy-washy, like it's one foot in, one foot out, they're going to feel it. They're going to go back to trying to, you know, to get, off, to get on their phone or get distracted or go hang out with friends. And it's your, it's your job as a man and as a father to, to, to step up your game. And I know, th- look, maybe this is a kind of a harsh message, right? Uh, but maybe this is the podcast that somebody listens to that they finally, they finally do say, enough. Okay, I get it. Like enough playing it small. It's time to step up my game as a father. Um, because my legacy depends on it. Yes. So to break it down to the micro, then what would you say is your current daily non-negotiables, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to love myself and we know that it's not, you're not always going to feel that way. So it's a decision every day. I'm going right. to love myself and look myself in the eyes every morning, say you love yourself and you're going to do, you know, you're going to show up today. So what are your daily non-negotiables? Um, that, that you're paying attention to, to ensure, cause we're action oriented, we're men, right? So yeah. I'm going to set a plan for myself at the end of the day, I'm going to lay down and go, dang it. I, I miss these two. I'm going to show up for these two tomorrow. Right. I mean, who's you're holding yourself accountable. So what are those non-negotiables for Cameron right now? My non-negotiables are to make sure there's not a single day that goes by without my wife and children knowing how much I love them. That's a non-negotiable for me. So what is the um, action in that for, for so the you? Action, what is that action? So, so it's not just saying I love you. It is it is interacting with them every single day. It's it's touching their hands. It's giving them you know hugs, soul hugs to where I can feel them and they can feel me. Um, it's it's talking about their day. It's giving them perspectives that their young minds don't necessarily have right now. You know, um, I'll give you one example. My son, he's away from us right now. He's he his plan is to go into to the buds and become a Navy SEAL. So he's out doing his advanced scuba right now. Um, and and so you know, I I sat him down before he left and I said, look, man, y- your mantras in your life have to be every day in every way. I'm becoming better and better. 
if you're going to go live that lifestyle, that's a higher calling than most people will ever have in their entire life. And you have to, you have to compare like, where am I now and where do I want to be and what action steps every day am I taking to get there? So for me, the non-negotiables are, I'm going to make sure I'm eating healthy because I want to live a long time with my yeah. wife and my kids. Yeah. I'm exercising. I'm in my wife and my children's face every day, making sure that they know that dad loves them. That like, those are the, those are the, those are the hard stops for me. Like that, that just has to happen. Um, it's also what I've learned to do this past year is, is get with my emotion. And what I mean by that is I want to be a well-rounded person, like, you know, being military, like a plant, ABC, all these different things. I want to be well-rounded. I don't want to, um, we stuff things down, right? Like, uh, especially if you're on the battlefield or, or, or the battlefield of life, like, you know, as men, we often just say, all right, we suppress this feeling because we have to go do this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm in this transition to where I'm learning to be with those emotions so that, um, so that what I'm stuffing down doesn't come out later in, in a very negative way Yeah. and letting my family know, like, look, I just need a minute. I have to step away. I need to go be by myself. I need to go rage for a minute. I need, you know, I, I need to go cry or whatever it is. So I can come back and give you my best version. And, and I've been giving myself a lot of permission lately to step away so I can bring back the right energy to my wife and my kids. I love it, dude. Beautiful. And how do they respond? Cause I think there's a difference of running away from the problem and then going to reassess. So how do you make that distinction for yourself or for them? I go back to kind of what we said at the beginning, and that is like our wife and our kids are mirrors of us. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. truly are. So I take that with a with a huge responsibility on my shoulders of um, if things don't feel right in my home, I'm the shepherd. I'm the I'm the responsible one. So and, and look, and that's not to say they may not have their moments. I, I mean, they're they're individuals. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have their little flare ups or whatever it is. And also knowing like that's not me, that's them and help them walk through that. But um, but for me to make sure that my family is resonating at a certain tone. Um, and is that resonation, like the energy I'm bringing to, to my wife and my kids, one of pleasure and one of joy and one of comfort and one of peace and security. And, and, um, like that's extremely important to me. And, and if you're, if you're absent, you'll miss all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> just any more nuggets for the transition. So if a dude says, okay, I'm the shepherd now, I'm the dad, I'm showing up. I have some non-negotiables. Do you have any? suggestions for them, um, of, of stepping into this role and change, you know, you, you said, just sit your family down and here's what's happening. Here's how dad's showing up. Any last thoughts around that? Have some grace for yourself. Mm, that's good. It, it, it's going to be ugly. Um, nobody has this thing figured out. There's only one perfect father. Um, so it's going to be ugly. You're going to make mistakes. Um, but Every single day when that sun comes up, it's a new, it's a new do-over. It's a mulligan. I mean, for those who play golf, like <laughs> we love mulligans. Every day is a mulligan, man. And uh, so that's the biggest thing is, is be hard on yourself, but cut yourself enough slack to where you, you, uh, you, you know, you can win this thing. And then what do you think about doing it on your own? <clears throat> so the one, the one thing I see sometimes is it's like saying, sorry, I, I, I agree with having the grace for yourself, but just saying sorry and giving yourself a mulligan every day. And if you look the same today as you you know did 12 months ago, then 
eh, you're kind of not really and get this isn't real to you. So to what level should a dude be doing this on their own or having a mentor, having an accountability partner, having somebody or a group or something that they're a part of that helps bring them to this level? Nobody should be doing fatherhood on their own, man. Yeah. Um, people need to be watching and listening to your podcast. They need to be picking up your book. Um, it, you know, they, they need to be like, there are some really phenomenal fathers and there's some really, really horrible fathers, um, on this planet. I get that, but it's really easy nowadays, especially with social media to latch on to those who are doing it right in pursuit of doing it right. You can learn so much. So, so much. And if you become a critical thinker and I, you know, we'll get into that in a minute. I know there's something I want to share with you, but if you can be a critical thinker, I I was always taught this, um, chew the meat and spit out the bones. So everybody has something that, whether it's, it's a positive or a negative that you can Mm -hmm. contribute and take on. Like one of my favorite stories, I tell this all the time to my kids all the time. There were two twin brothers that were raised by an abusive alcoholic father. And the father ended up dying and the two brothers went their own way. And later in life, they were interviewed. And one brother was an abusive alcoholic, just like his dad. And when they said, why? He said, well, look at my dad. What do you expect? The other one was super successful, didn't drink alcohol, was raising his family beautifully, you know, multimillionaire. There goes the rooster. Nice. And they said, um, why? How, how did this happen? And he said, look at my dad. What do you expect? So it's two different perspectives mm-hmm. on the same exact situation. And so, um, you know, whatever it is, good or bad, there's people that can offer you wisdom to do the right thing or the wrong thing as being a father all around us every single day. So what gives you that mindset? How do you, how do you become the one son, not the other? A clear plan. Like, uh, if you're just going with the flow, it's probably going to crash and burn. But if you can come up with a clear plan, like truly figure out this is what I want for my, for my yeah. future and the future of my children, what, this is what my legacy looks like. If, if there's no plan, um, it's going to crash and burn. Yeah. And, and so many guys are unwilling to sit down and take the time and journal out. You know, the, the, I heard this recently, the oldest com- company on planet earth, is 1500 years old. It's a Japanese co- company. Really? And when asked the CEO of how are you so successful, this company, he said, we don't drink. Really? Um, yeah, we don't drink. And that was, it, his whole point was we're conservative. And in, in Japanese culture, like here in America, like, all right, let me see your business plan as being an entrepreneur. And you lay out this, you know, three months, six months, t- two year rollout. Yeah. In Japan, it's a hundred plus years Gosh. if there's a business plan, right? Wow. So, yeah. So we we as fathers need to to design a legacy that is a business plan that is long lasting for fifteen hundred years or more. Um. So you're not going to get away with all right. Well, here's my three three month rollout for for what it is to be a father. <laughs> Man, could you imagine if all of us dads wrote a hundred, even just a hundred year plan? We just thought just past our own life. What does that hundred year plan look like? Like how selfless, how really, like, that's really big picture, man. I'm thinking about, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about the gym I want to build at my house. I'm thinking about, um, my fitness return. I'm 39. So I have 11 months till I turn 40. So I've got this like fitness plan right now, but, (laughs) and that's great. 
But I think about the time and energy I'm putting into that, counting my macros every day and you know, overkilling it to some level. What if I put that same level into a hundred year plan for my family? All of a sudden, I'm going to look at my son quite differently, right? That's right. Because That's I'm right. going, okay, yeah, my son's 13, but shoot, 10 years from now, he might be having his first kid. How am I preparing him so that he's critical thinking and 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 planning and preparing still enjoying that is enjoying life though see i almost made the caveat of like but let's make sure we're still enjoying life which means what consuming crap that doesn't matter um i mean don't get me wrong i love to like chill out to a show or watch a movie or whatever but i don't know why we 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 separate the two so much i mean it's enjoyable um to work on your life that's right that's right uh, it really is so yeah. psyched right now. Okay. So you said you wanted to talk, I, maybe you just did, but about critical thinking, you wanted to bring that up. Is that more for the last question that I'm going to ask you about? Legacy? Yeah, that can be for the last question. Yeah. Okay. For sure. All yeah. right. So <clears throat> any other thoughts? Such a good conversation. I'm, I'm just uh, so good. Any other thoughts that we haven't brought up that you would like to share in the next couple of minutes before I ask you my last question? Yeah. You know, I, um, <clears throat> I get to see a lot of young dads in my world. And, uh, and they're making a lot of the, the same, uh, choices I made when I was a young dad. Yeah. And one thing I would caution people on, um, and I, and it's not just in young fathers, it's, it's in people who, who I think, um, well, it's in a lot of people, but one thing my wife and I, thank God we figured this out early is this, is this idea behind child centered parenting. And you see it with these young couples that they have their first uh, their first child and then their whole world gets turned upside down and then everything revolves around that one child or that that second child or that third child to where the ch- and and children are smart man and as much as i love my children they can be manipulative but yeah. just it's human nature um and children will work you over if they feel like they can get whatever they want and so we always made this choice even in the way that we my wife breastfed all of our children on our schedule on our terms not on theirs, not when the baby's crying and says, feed me. It was like, look, this is the structure we have in our home and and you're going to adhere to it as strict as that may sound. Trust me, it's in their best interest to not give them everything they want. Um, you know, love is tough. Love is beautiful, but it can be very tough. And and as an adult, we have the responsibility to, to know more of what's best for our child than they do. Like, and if I say, don't touch that, it's hot, it'll burn you. I know more. But, but if they touch it, then all of a sudden now they have that wisdom versus a parent that just says, Hey, do whatever you want. If you want to touch it, touch it. Does it feel good? Does it not? Um, but I, I, I would caution people like analyze your own life. If you are responding to everything your child wants, that's child centered parenting. You need to get, you need to get back to it's, 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 it's not about the child. It's about you making sure that the child comes up in the way that, that, um, they're supposed to, the child will always choose the wrong thing most of the time when they're young, you know, they'll always go for the candy. They'll always go for the sweets. They'll, you know, so, so just be mindful of what child centered parenting looks like. And if your whole world is disrupted, I'm not saying, look, five kids. I remember there was a time it was so chaotic. I'm like, this is insane. Like what, what is this? Five means grace. Yeah. Not for my house. Like this is insane. (laughs) Um, There, there are periods of chaos, but your house will be in utter chaos, especially as they get older. If, all you do is adjust your lifestyle and your scheduling to their needs. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. So was that baby wise that you guys kind of followed? 
Yeah, it was. We, we, we followed it loosely. You know, again, we did we it your chewed, way. Chewed. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We did it our way. And um, it was incredible. Just, I mean, it was incredible. So I like that. Just to point this out, this is something I've been, um, I've been reading more books on like awareness and consciousness lately. And <clears throat> there's this idea of labels. So as soon as I say baby wise, some people are going to go shut down. Oh my gosh. And then some people are like, oh yeah, I'm all in. Baby wise is like part of my profile. Um, <laughs> I like how you said we chewed the meat and spit out the bones. Yep. And I feel as though, Hey men, you have the freedom to not just have a full label. I might, I might surf and I might like to boogie board. Sometimes I might snowboard and also like to ski. You won't find me on a scooter, but you'll find me on a skateboard. So I'm going to draw a line there, but right. you know, you know what I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying is we make these divides and it's like you as a man have the freedom, not just to read one book and then go all in on that, read this book. And then the contradictory book to it, you can also agree with some of that. That is okay. That's what being a man is, is you get to choose what's right for you and your family as the shepherd. Um, so love how you said that. Um, Cam, love it. So I'm going to ask you my last question, but I'm going to ask it a little bit differently. Okay. So okay. this is a legacy question. And I typically say, imagine, you know, I'd pick your youngest kid and I'd put them close to your age. So I'd say, Hey, 30 years from now, your youngest is going to be 39. Imagine peering into their homes. What do you see? But I'm going to draw this out a hundred years. You are no longer on this earth. You are gone. Okay. You're gone from this earth. And for whatever miraculous reason, you can see down um, and see your family. You can see your kids in their homes. What is it that you see being played out in their homes you're not here anymore. We could be looking at uh, great grandkids at this point as parents. What is it that you see being played out? And you just have a big old smile on your face going, oh, yes. Like the work me and my wife did. Like, all right. All right. It's there. Wow. A hundred years from now. Um, for me, it's simple. You know, the, the idea behind what we're doing now in terms of legacy is we want we want our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids and so on to know what grit, tenacity, and perseverance looks like, to know what hard work looks like, to be independent, critical thinkers yeah. and not yeah. just accept what the world tells them um, they should be doing, but but to actually look at it and say, is this what I should be doing? Hmm. And, and um, Chuck Swindoll said it this way. He's like, look, we need to be open-minded, but not so open-minded that our head falls off. And... I want my children to hold as many perspectives in life as fluidly as possible, but never compromise on the things that are truth and absolute truth and, and never compromise on, on their faith. Um, you know, those, those are me, to me, those are legacy things that I can hand, that I can hand down. And, yeah. um, yeah, I would say, I would say that's what it looks like. And let me add one more thing. There, there is so much power in a, in a, in uh, raising children with a mother and a father in a healthy home. Um, yeah. you know, to those who have been divorced or who are divorced and are single, like I get it. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough, but my parents split when I was 12. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so one thing I want my kids to always understand is the, the damage that can be caused from you not being faithful to your wife or to your husband or, or to, to even fall out of love or whatever that looks like if you want your children's children's children to be blessed for a thousand generations, make sure that you are in covenant with your wife. Um, 
and or your husband and like to me that's just the bedrock for raising good good kids and and a legacy is is a marriage yes yes and it's hard it's like one of those things like you said <clears throat> some things are hard to say right cuz we're almost in a culture where it's not really kind of you to say that cam you know what i mean and and you're sure. like yeah okay it's not but there is a reality that there is a way things ought to be. And I, we both agree. There are times, there are situations, life happens, but to fight for that, to not just, you know, think that it doesn't matter to say, ah, this matters so much. And man, I just, I had a guy, uh, that I'm going to have back on the podcast soon who was in the middle of, he was a single dad and like he fought for, and now he's back with his, his wife after like two years of them being separated and him fighting for it. And it's like, okay, there's hope. Even if you were feeling like you were in the darkest spot, there is no redemption. There is, there is go fight for this. That's right. Um, Cam, any last thoughts, my friend, this has been so rich, so good. I've, I've just gained a lot from our conversation. Any last thoughts before we, before we end here? Wow, man. Um, you know, I just don't want men to take lightly the, the mantle of fatherhood. Um, like it's, it's such a blessing and, and it can be as rich. It can raise roosters, you know, it can be as rich as you want it to be. And it can be as horrible as you can imagine. If you don't, if you, if you just don't care and you're disengaged, um, you, you can be so full of, of love and life as being like, if you just own that fathership, it's incredible. Beautiful. So let me ask this question. You said the mantle of fatherhood. I don't hear those words often. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? The mantle of fatherhood? Well, the the mantle of fatherhood is yes, I chose to be a father, but it's, it's also, um, you know, that was put on me. Like if I'm a believer in God, I believe like, look, um, God gave me sons and daughters to have he could have easily said, no, there's plenty of barren people in the world that can't have kids for whatever reasons or they, you know, but here's my point. If you, if your life allows you to have children, that isn't just a, a title or a thing. That is a responsibility that is on your shoulders and you carry that. Um, and you don't just carry it for your lifetime. Like, so what I love so much about your podcast is you don't just talk about the here and the now you're talking about the forever, yeah. you know, the future, the unforeseeable. And that's how important this role is. So that's what I wanted to hear because I want dudes to hear the mantle like this, this has been placed upon you. So to have that idea, you know, I think of, you know, a lot of men aren't invited into their role as dads, but men, fathers listening right now, I know you didn't have the experience that when your child came, you know, there was a ceremony where someone knighted you or whatever ceremony you want to think of in like your raddest, you know, war movie of the calling of the dude when you realize, you know, Captain America is Captain America. But the fact that you are a father means that you're that guy, which means that you have what it takes, but also means that you need that badass music in the background to help you go out and learn the skills to be the dude, which is what we want, right? We don't want to just already have it all. We want to fight for it. That's what makes a great movie. So you're already here. Go do it. Go do it right now. Freaking show up tomorrow and just be that dude because you're already him. You just may not see it yet. That's it, man. That is so spot on, dude. I love it. I'm fired up, dude. I'm fired up. All right. 
Cam, you are incredible, bro. Great dad, great husband, great father, continuing to pursue growth-minded, um, critical thinking father to show up the best, not just for your kids, but for their kids and their kids. And um, for, you know, the thing I love the most about this, bro, is, is you're not doing this just for your family. It's for my family too, because your kids may one day, one day marry my kids. And sure. so it matters how you show up and how I show up. So all the dads listening on here, it matters because our families will grow as our children go build their own families. And I want to kind of fight against that mindset in America that it's like, oh, now they're just off doing their own thing and families doesn't matter. Like the idea of legacy and culture in your family, you know, line matters and we need to be fighting for that. Um, I don't become irrelevant when my kids move out. I don't become irrelevant as a grandfather. Grandfathers right now do like, I can't wait to be a grandfather. I'm going to be badass as a grandfather showing up <laughs> for those kids. You know what I mean? Cause those are, those are part of me. So Cam, you've inspired me. I love it. I can't wait to hang out with you more. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, brother. Loved it, man. Thank you. Ah, so good. Another incredible conversation. A quote that really stuck out uh, to me from Cam that I think if all us men really realize this and embrace this, here's the quote. He said, the reality is, is that we carry the energy into our homes. Think about that, men. When you are on your way home from work, the gym, being out, whatever you're doing, you carry the energy. When you wake up in the morning, when you go wake up the kids, you are carrying, setting the tone for the energy in the home. Own that, own that and create an energy that you are going to look back upon and be proud of. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Hey, if you haven't already, make sure to check out the new children's book. It is going to be out so soon. We're looking at January, February, 2023. The book is The Adventure of Fatherhood. We got the boys version coming out and then probably six to 12 months after that, we'll have the father-daughter version coming out. This book is going to be legendary. You can go pre-order a copy at adventureoffatherhood.com. Get one for yourself, get one for a friend. It's going to be incredible. So thanks to everybody who's supporting on that. All right, my friends, I look forward to hanging out with you next time.